Welcome, listeners, to the continuation of A Very Lonely Road, written by Jake Wicklax. And I won't keep you waiting. Let's jump right on in. I'd like to repeat before this starts, this is not for little ears, contains adult themes, explicit language, and a lot more. So please, not for kids, this one. Peter obeyed. Once the car was moving, Keaton released my head. I leaned back up against the seat. Keaton kept his head turned and leered at me for quite some time. I stared out the window and avoided his gaze, but I could feel it burning into my outer vision. All I could think about were his last words. Let's go to the shack. What was the shack? Probably one of their little hangout spots where they'd drink and roll up grass and bring girls to. And they were bringing a couple of girls there right now. After a few miles, Peter veered onto some dirt road that snaked into the woods. The woods were pitch dark and the trees looked ghastly due to being stripped of their leaves by the January cold. Every time I thought the woods couldn't get any deeper, I was proven wrong as the car continued to roll down the path. We must have drove through that forest for at least five minutes. I wanted to open the car door and hop out and make a run for it, but they had child lock on the door. No better place to roll some buds than this, Keaton said as we pulled into a clearing in the woods. In the middle of the clearing was a rundown barn that must have been a hundred years old. It looked so sinister as the car's high beams cast the grisly shadows of the barren trees upon it. Peter, turn up the heat, said Keaton. I'm freezing my fucking ass off. As Peter turned the knob, I could see that his hand was trembling uncontrollably. I thought maybe we could bring him over to our side. Then, it'd be three on two, and we could get out of this and- Obey! Keaton yipped, snapping everyone out of their thoughts. Ugh, Billy. You can let go of her mouth. No one's going to hear her scream. Billy released his hand from Julie's mouth, and she immediately started to wail, futilely calling for help that would never come. Not out here. Keaton looked pissed. He took a deep breath and screamed at the top of his lungs. Shut the fuck up! Julie quieted down a bit, but still sobbed under her breath, Keaton huffed and caught his breath and shook his head. For Christ's sake, he said. What a Greek drama. He reached into his back pocket and pulled out a large pocket knife and folded out the shining survival knife he had mentioned before. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Please, just let us go. Julie sobbed. Keaton looked at her and shrugged. Let you go? You're free to go at any time. No one's stopping you, right, Billy? Billy nodded. Right, Peter? Peter nodded. You're free to go. Keaton repeated. Julie immediately pulled on the door handle. It was locked, of course. The lock pin was the kind that retracted all the way down, and so it was impossible to pull it up. What's wrong? Keaton asked rhetorically. It's locked, said Julie. So, unlock it? I can't, 
Hmm, well, like I said, you're free to go anytime you wish. In the meantime, let's play a game to pass the time. Billy, what should we play? Billy simpered as he pondered for a moment. Truth or dare? He asked. Bingo, Ringo, said Keaton. As his face lit up demonically, he turned on the radio and flipped through stations and landed on one that played the song Get Up by James Brown. Keaton bobbed his head up and down to the groovy beat, his eyes wide and crazed. Man, perfect song right here, said Keaton. So funky. Okay, let's let Amy start. Amy, truth or dare? I remained silent. Keaton's grin started to slowly fade in the direction of a frown, which, I can't lie, intimidated me. So I spoke up. Truth, I said, has to be better than dare. Dare it is, said Keaton. I said truth. Amy, I dare you to make out with Billy for 30 seconds. No. Keaton shook his head at me and smirked and waved the knife around. Uh-uh, uh-uh, it's a dare, he said. Well, I'm not doing it. Forget it. Keaton nodded and pondered for a moment. He glanced at Billy. Hey, Billy, he said. Hand that little piglet over to me. Billy hoisted Julie off him and pushed her toward Keaton. Keaton snaked his arm around Julie's throat and put her in a headlock. But he didn't choke her, just gripped her. He then peeled part of her coat off so that her shoulder was exposed. He placed the sharp edge of the knife to the skin of her shoulder. Julie wiggled around a little bit, but Keaton had a firm hold of her. Now we're ready, said Keaton. Amy, make out with Billy. Thirty seconds, that's it. Promise. I didn't budge. I glanced to the side to see Billy sitting there with a wide-eyed grin, plastered over his face. No way was I gonna kiss him. No way. My thoughts were fragmented by Julie's sudden cries. Keaton slid the blade across the skin on her shoulder and blood ran down her upper arm. I sat up to do something, but Billy stiff-armed me. Keaton continued to excruciatingly drag the blade across Julie's shoulder as her blood-curdling screams filled the car. Okay, okay, I shouted. Stop! Keaton stopped straight away. Julie sobbed as trails of blood ran down her arm and dripped from her elbow. Well, what are you waiting for? Keaton asked me. Give the boy a kiss. Look at his face. Who wouldn't want to kiss that? <laughs> Keaton and Billy snickered. I took a deep breath and winced with disgust. I didn't want to even go near him. But I couldn't watch Julie go through such pain any longer. I sat up and puckered reluctantly. But Billy did not move. He seemed to wait for me to come to him. Lean in, said Billy, confirming my suspicion. I stared at him with disgust. I just could not bring myself to do it. You all might want to cover your ears for this one, said Keaton, without warning. He cut his hand over Julie's mouth and jammed the knife into her upper arm. She shrieked and squirmed as Keaton twisted the knife into her shoulder. I was pretty sure he was cutting bone. 
All right, stop. Again, Keaton stopped without hesitation. He pulled the knife out of her shoulder and that made a sickening squelch. He kept his hand cupped on Julie's mouth to suppress her agonized sobs. See? Said Keaton. You play nice, I play nice. I took a deep breath and puckered up and closed my eyes and leaned forward. I felt Billy's lips touch mine and he began slobbering all over my lips and sticking his tongue in my mouth. The taste was a strong mix of alcohol and cigarettes. It was a painful 30 seconds. Keaton <laughs> sat by and giggled under his breath the entire time. All right, that's 30 seconds, said Keaton. I pulled away from Billy, but Billy persisted, leaning in every time I leaned out. Keaton reached over and slapped Billy atop the head. That's enough, Billy, he said. Come on, it's Peter's turn. Billy snickered and wiped the saliva of his revolting kisser. I felt sick, and I retched from the taste that still lingered in my mouth, and probably would for a week. That is, if I survived this. Perhaps I'd be lucky to be tasting anything in a week's time. All right, Peter, said Keaton. Your turn, truth or dare. Um, Peter nervously racked his brain for what seemed like a very long time. He blinked rapidly and frequently, and his eyes darted and zipped like hummingbirds. I couldn't tell if he was extremely nervous or deranged, or both. So, what's the verdict? Kitten asked with impatience. Uh, truth, Peter stuttered. Pussy. Okay, truth, 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 truth. Uh, have you ever had sex before? Keaton and Billy both exchanged a knowing glance and snickered as Keaton asked this. Come on, guys, said Peter. He looked mortified. Peter, relax, said Keaton. We've got everything we need. We've got two girls in the car right now. My heart sank. I knew where this was going, even though I didn't want to believe it. I begged and pleaded with whatever higher power may, or may not, have been looking down on us. Pleaded for it not to go this way. Nah, Keaton, said Peter, shaking his head and fidgeting with his fingers. Come on, man. What? Keaton asked in disbelief. Peter. Nah, man. You're going too far. Come on, Peter. Think with your Peter. Keaton and Billy got a kick out of this one, and Peter seemed to fight off a laugh as well. Julie's eyelids were heavy, and her arms and legs were limp. She may have been passing out from the pain, and things were only getting more dangerous. I had to figure out a way to escape this car, to make a mad dash for the woods. Scary as that dark forest looked, it seemed like child's play compared to our current predicament. Peter, I think it's time, said Keaton. What do you think, Billy? Yeah, Peter, said Billy. You're 20 years old. This is embarrassing. Which one should he get? Which one's hotter? Hmm. Keaton glanced back and forth, at me and then at Julie and then at me again. His eyes settled on Julie. I think this one's better, he said. Besides, she won't put up a fight. He leaned toward Julie's ears. You agree? Julie didn't respond. 
she agrees, he said. All right, Peter, time to put some hair on your balls. Keaton opened the car door and dragged Julie's limp and helpless body toward the open doorway. I looked into Julie's half-opened and pain-filled eyes and I just couldn't take it. This was my best friend. I could not let this happen. Keaton climbed back into the car and reached for Julie's legs. Now was my chance. I sprung forward and kicked like a mule. My foot made sweet contact with the side of Keaton's face. His head bucked to the side and then snapped back to where it was before I'd kicked. His face crumpled up into a pained wince. Fuck! He shouted. Evidently, I hadn't kicked him hard enough because he sprang up from his seat and lurched furiously towards me. In the midst of the commotion, Julie rolled out of the car and fell to the ground. As Keaton clambered and clawed at me, Julie got to her feet and darted into the woods. Run, Julie! I yelled. Run! My words shifted into a gagging sound as Keaton slammed the palm of his hand up against my throat and squeezed. I'm gonna smack the fuck out of you! He snarled. Billy, grab her! Billy grabbed my ankles and I started to kick, but it was too late. He wrapped his arms around my ankles and locked them in a tight embrace. I couldn't kick my legs, not even an inch. Keaton, meanwhile, choked the hell out of me and got right up in my face. His foul, alcoholic breath clouded my nose and droplets of his spit shot into my eyes. I would advise you stop kicking, he said. He stayed with his face right up to mine for a while. He removed his hand from my throat and backed away and climbed out of the car. Keaton opened the glove box and rummaged. He pulled out a roll of gorilla tape and tossed it to Billy. If she kicks, break her legs, said Keaton. Billy taped the corner of the roll to my ankle and then wrapped the roll around my heels at least seven or eight times. Shit, I thought. I'm really in trouble now. Be back in a jiff, said Keaton. Peter, feel free to have your way with her. She ain't kicking anymore. Keaton jogged off into the woods in the direction Julie had gone. I saw him running. I compared it to the way I saw Julie run into the woods. She was hurt, but Keaton strode like a healthy buck. He would surely catch her. Keaton disappeared into the darkness just past the tree line. The car was silent. Billy sat in the back seat and caught his breath. He popped a cigarette into his mouth and lit it, and took a deep puff. <sighs> Peter sat in the front seat and stared at the steering wheel with those doughy eyes. Do you think he, he'll, he'll catch her? Asked Peter. Prolly, said Billy as he inhaled the drag. I wouldn't sweat it, she's hurt pretty bad. And she's delirious too. He'll get her. What are we going to do after that? Probably do her too. After this one sitting next to me. Just got to finish this sick. But what about after that? W won't they, like, tell? They ain't telling nobody. H how do you, how do you know? Billy motioned out the window. You remember that pond back there? We went to it one time. Peter squinted. I think so, he said. We'll chuck him in there. No one will find him. Are you... are you sure? Yes, Peter. Chill! God damn it! 
Billy finished his cigarette with slow and deep puffs. He was so calm as he did it. You'd think he'd done this before. Tortured women, I mean. He wrapped up his smoke and doused the butt in the ashtray, and then he turned his attention to me. All right, Peter, he said. Let's get this slut propped up. I don't know, Billy. You don't know what, Peter? This is why you're still a virgin, bruh. You ain't taken opportunities. I guess. You guess? That is why. You want to do her up in the barn? I guess that's better than a cramped car. Uh, yeah, sure. Alright, turn off the engine. Shut the lights off so the car will start. Peter took the key out of the ignition and shut off the headlights and hopped out. I patiently waited for him to open the passenger door. I immediately lurched forward and thumbed the bastard right in the eye. I felt Billy attempt to grab me, but I was too fast. I scooted out of the car and hopped toward the woods, but my bounding was too slow. So I crouched down and used my free hand to try and peel away the tape. Easier said than done, and Billy was already sprinting toward me. I pinched the edge of the tape and tugged at it. It started to peel. Billy slammed into me like a freight train. I let out a grunt as the wind left my lungs. I fell to the ground with Billy on top of me. One half of my face smushed into the dirt and the dry leaves. Why the fuck would you do that? Billy asked. You're, you're just making it worse for yourself, you little bitch. Billy got up and yanked my face off the ground and dragged me towards the barn. Peter followed, still clutching his eye where I'd poked him. He wasn't angry. He still looked like a frightened fawn. The barn was musty and smelled like hay and had the grimace of a tomb. The floor creaked when you walked on it. Billy dragged me over to the wooden steps, and then he and Peter carried me up the stairs like furniture. At the top of the barn, there was an open doorway, a balcony of sorts, that looked out at the forest. I thought of Julie and wondered if she'd been caught. Let's get her pants off, said Billy. How? asked Peter. What? Her ankles are tied up. Yeah, we're not going to pull them all the way off. Just down to, like, the knees. Not even that far. Honestly, come on. Billy circled around me and knelt down in front of my feet. His back faced the balcony. You hold her arms down, said Billy. So she doesn't start thrashing. What if she pokes me again? Peter stammered. Just cover your face. Punch her in hers. I don't know, do something, Peter. Something besides scrambling around like a baby deer. Peter knelt down and reached for my wrists. I thrashed around and tried to hit him in the face again, but he was ready this time. Please, stop, said Peter. Stop struggling, please. Peter, stop negotiating with her, said Billy. She's a little monkey, just wrangle her. You don't see a zookeeper trying to reason with the monkeys, do you? Peter caught both my wrists and then pinned them to the floor. He looked up and nodded to Billy. Billy crawled forward and grabbed at my waistband. And then I remembered, I still had my legs. Billy crouched right near the wide open balcony. It clicked in my head. And as Billy unbuttoned my pants, it was like an eclipse with the earth and the moon and the sun all lined up perfectly. I inhaled and tensed up and kicked harder than I'd ever kicked before. It was beautiful. The way Billy bucked backward and flailed his arms as gravity established its dominance over him. He let out a frightened little squeal 
as he rolled back over the edge of the balcony and disappeared from sight. And not a half a second later, there was a wonderful thump and snap. And then that was followed by Billy's agonized squawks. Oh! Oh! And he kept on screaming. Peter got up and rushed over to the balcony and peered out. Billy, are you okay? I now had a shot at this idiot too. I kicked hard, but he must have saw it coming one second prior, because he ducked and sidestepped it and rushed over to the stairs. Peter clambered down the stairs, and I heard him rush out and start tending to Billy. Oh god, said Peter. Oh god, oh shit, what are we gonna do? Fuck, I'm not fucking kidding, dude. Billy groaned. I think I'm paralyzed. As I peeled the tape off my ankles, I got a sort of sick satisfaction from hearing Billy's agony. I only wished I could see him all injured and contorted right now. But there's no time to peek. Peeling away that tape was no easy task. Billy had wrapped me up good. I peeled and rounded my ankles about five times, and then the tape's grasp was loosened. I yanked my ankles apart, which was a relief in itself, and tore the tape. I got up and headed towards the stairs. What the hell is going on? I recognized that voice. It was Keaton, back from his little hunting trip. I listened closely. I had to know what went down. Jesus, Billy! Keaton said. What the hell happened? She... she kicked him. Peter stammered. She kicked him hard. Kicked him? What the fuck happened? She kicked him and he... he, he fell off the barn. Christ alive! We tape her legs up, and you still can't handle her? You guys are a bunch of ass clowns. Where is she? She's... she's up in the barn still. I winced as I heard crunching leaves and then creaking noises downstairs as Keaton entered the barn. He began whistling at me like a dog owner. Amy! He taunted. Amy, darling! It's Keaton, your boyfriend. You still upstairs? I held my breath so he wouldn't hear me panting. I kept silent and hunkered in the corner by the stairs. I didn't dare move a muscle. Even a slight shift of weight would cause one of the floorboards to shriek. Amy, I'm coming up, okay? I cupped my hands over my mouth. My peepers felt the size of softballs, and then I very nearly leapt from my skin as I heard the bottom step let out a shrill whine. There was silence for a moment. Then a second step squealed. Keaton's ascension of the stairs became a slow but steady rhythm like the swaying of a rocking chair. Creak, creak, creak. I had to come up with a plan and had very little time to do so. I remembered the stairs. How many stairs were there? 20, 24 maybe? Keaton had covered about five? I wish I had something to whack him over the head with and send him plummeting down those stairs. Creak, creak, creak. He was at step number eight now, maybe nine? I had to think on my feet. I'll throw myself at him. I could shoulder check him really hard and knock him off balance. The stairs were steep, more so than your average staircase. 
if you tilted back, there'd be no catching yourself, no railing to grab onto, nowhere to go but down. Creak, creak, creak. I kept count. I reckoned it was 12 steps. He was certainly on the second flight by now, on an upward trajectory to the second floor. Creak, creak, creak. I'd surely be seeing that good old boy's hat pop up at any moment. I clenched my teeth and got ready to barrel into this psycho. Creak, creak. And then the silence came. Pure silence. Deafening silence. He had come to a halt. Why did you stop? He must have been assessing the second floor from his vantage point. If he could see most of the second floor, he could see that I wasn't there. And if he could see that I wasn't there, he likely knew I was hunkered in the corner. More time passed and the silence continued and my ears rang and I thought I might go nuts. I listened closely and I was fairly sure I could hear his breathing. It was steady and very calm. Inhumanly calm. My ears picked up a small, shuffling sound and my eyes caught a brief, fluttering movement. But it happened so fast that, before I knew it, Keaton's hand was reaching up from the staircase and had a firm grasp on my ankle. I screamed as his other hand emerged from below the knife in its grasp. Oh, Amy! He yelled. You are my kind of girl. Hard to get. <laughs> he laughed like some crazed clown. As he thrust the knife forward, the blade came within an inch of my ribs and I felt the dull edge graze my side. That was as close as close could get. I bucked and kicked and tried to crawl away, but his grasp was tight. I thought we were bonding, Amy. He thrust down with the knife and this time it sliced the back of my hand. I knew it had happened because it was like I barely felt it. The adrenaline surged through me and told me I hadn't the time for pain. Fine, I thought. If I can't pull away, I'll go towards you. I felt Kenton tug on my leg and this time I went with the current, so to speak. I used his strength against him and thrust my foot forward. My foot made contact with his shoulder. The combined effort of my kick and his own tug was enough to send him falling back. He released his grip and tripped down several stairs and let out a low groan. I leapt to my feet and without pause, I shot toward the balcony. I didn't think of whether or not I'd make the jump because I had no choice. I ran to the edge and took the leap of faith and felt the wind comb my ears as I plummeted to the ground. I landed on my feet and the sharp pain shot up through my ankles. I stumbled forward and fell to my hands and knees but quickly got back up. I glanced back long enough to see Billy lying there on the ground, silent. His spine was twisted and mangled, and his wrists were bent like a praying mantis. I was no expert, but Billy was going to be relieving himself into a bag for the rest of his life. And in all this time, I'd forgotten Peter. Before I knew it, I ran straight into him. He caught me by both wrists. We were now face to face, and I could see that dog-like expression still lingering in his eyes. Just stop! He shouted. His voice was like a beggar. I don't want to hurt you! I wrenched my right wrist from his grasp. Stop! He shouted. Just sit down and we can- His words morphed into shrill squeals as I jabbed my thumb right in his eye and this time I didn't let up. I reckoned it was the same eye that I'd poked moments earlier. 
I pushed and twisted and leveraged my thumb around, and I was pretty sure I felt his socket. The only thing that made me stop were Keaton's footfalls behind me. Time to go. I yanked my thumb, now moist with eyeball juice, from Peter's eye and shot toward the woods. Keaton's footfalls were now crunches, so I knew that he'd exited the barn. My legs became a separate function from the rest of me. That's the only way I can describe it. They were like the wheels of a car that carried me where I needed to go, and fast too. I ran with my fingers pointed upward and slicing the air, the way Tom Cruise runs. My eyes had adjusted to the dark by now. They'd adjusted well. It was almost like daytime. I had the moon to thank for that too. After a while, I realized that Keaton was no longer behind me. Granted, I was stuck out in the forest alone in the dark, but I still felt relief. That maniac wasn't there anymore. And then I grew concerned, as I thought of Julie. Wondered what had happened to her. If she had gotten away, or if Keaton had captured her or done worse. I kept on the move and steered clear of the path we'd used to drive into the woods. Time passed and my ears felt like they'd crack off from the cold. I must have been close to the road by now. I figured I'd flag down a car and get some help. At the very least, I'd remain in hiding in the forest. But that wouldn't help Julie, now would it? This concludes part two of A Very Lonely Road. Well, this escalated quickly, from being stranded on the road to meeting school friends to abuse, hostage-taking, assault, attempted rape, and now, attempted murder. Holy moly. It's amazing what just one part of a narrative can do and how quickly things can change. I mentioned in the past that I've been hunting for more adult and darker stories lately, and this is definitely one of them. Let me know what you think is going to happen next. Will she get caught? Will she find her friend Julie dead or alive? I'm a betting man, so I'm going to bet this outcome. Julie is dead, strangled perhaps. Keaton is chasing her down and catches her, but she outwits him, tricks him into stepping onto something, and he falls to his death. The last part is admittedly the weakest of my guesses, a long shot for me. But if I was writing this, this might be what I'd do. Any takers, mates? Any one of you want to let me know what you think the end of this one would be, or at least the next scenes. Alright folks, stay tuned for Wednesday, and I might be able to finish this one off, or at least by this week. Cheers mates, and have a devilish night or glorious day. And, till we meet again.